2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes
1: everything.
3: 56% of job seekers say the biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications. This according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be lonely, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding that job that fits you. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local express office. Find the location nearest to you at expresspros.com. No fees for somebody seeking a job. Visit expresspros.com. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Sports fans everywhere sending their best wishes to Tiger today. And if you were following the news early yesterday afternoon, there were some pretty scary moments there. We knew there was a serious car accident, but that was about it. And then the relief came that the injuries were not life-threatening. We always think of athletes, there's this aura of invincibility. They're larger than life. They do things we can't. Hard to imagine them being vulnerable. But time and time again, we've learned that that's not the case. Not with just Tiger, but with other athletes. And Tiger himself has provided that lesson on multiple occasions. And for all of his wealth, for all of his fame... His personal issues, well-documented. Everything that's happened to him and everything that's happened because of him has played out in the public's eye. It's extremely tough to watch at times, and it certainly was yesterday. And it's still way, way too early to talk about Tiger's golf future. This was about Tiger the person yesterday, and it should be about Tiger the person for the next probably three to six months. Not Tiger the golfer. You know, those trying hours on Tuesday... Whether he plays again or not doesn't seem that important. And I know that we want to advance the story. We can't advance the story. And we're not going to speculate on anything with Tiger Woods. That's not fair. That's not what journalists do. We will not do that. I don't know if he plays golf again. You will probably recall if you are a a longtime listener that I was just hoping for one moment, a world reminder with Tiger Woods for a new generation, so they can understand what this was all about, who he was all about, the sensational Tiger Woods, what that feeling was like. And he's bigger than the sport of golf. When he's great, he's bigger than the sport, because people who don't watch golf, play golf, watched it when Tiger Woods was in contention. And we saw that. We got that world reminder in 2019. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted one more trip down memory lane with him. One more go at it. One more just reminder of who he is. You know, when Michael Jordan had his documentary, Michael couldn't play again, come back and play again, but he had a world reminder of, to a new generation, this is who I am. You know, Tom Brady is doing that almost every year. LeBron is doing that. These world reminders just tapping you on the shoulder. And we got that with Tiger Woods, a world reminder at the 2019 Masters. But yesterday worked in reverse order for me. It was about his life. Was he going to be alive? I never thought about his golfing career, if it was going to continue. When you get to be 45 or 46, just normal golfers on tour, you don't play competitive golf at a very high level on a consistent basis. But he's already had his career defined. At worst, he's the second greatest golfer of all time. I think he's the greatest golfer of all time. But I thought about his life. I thought about him as a father. And then eventually, when I realized it was non-life-threatening, then I started to think about all of these surgeries that he's had. And he's just coming off minor back surgery. And Jim Nance asked him on Sunday, hey, we're going to see you at the Masters. And he's like, well, I got to get there first. Little did we know what those words meant You know, 48 hours later. But it was a year ago and three weeks when Kobe happened. And it was similar time frame. It was in the afternoon and then social media. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. What is happening here? And you're just searching for any answers there. And there's that moment, you know, with Kobe, it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. With Tiger, it was, oh, no. And then it was, okay. Like it was just one of those that you have a sigh of relief, and if he never plays golf again, I'm okay with that as a fan because I've been treated to some of the greatest golf. I was there when he won his first Masters. You know, it, we we've been treated to some of the great great athleticism, and Tiger has provided that drama when you want somebody to be great and they're great. But there was that moment yesterday where you couldn't help but think, "Is this going to happen again?" And then all of a sudden, we started to get some reports, and and I started to think about Alex Smith, believe it or not, the uh, football player, the quarterback for the Washington Football Team. You don't when you when you break a bone and you have an open, you know, it's an an open break, so the skin breaks, compound fracture goes through the skin. Then you start to worry about infection. And that's what Alex Smith had. And it nearly killed him. And then he nearly lost his leg. And that's what you have to be thinking about now. It's just Tiger the person. I couldn't help but think that weekend when he got to play with his son Charlie in an event with other fathers and their sons. It was awesome. And he got that opportunity. I hope he continues to get that opportunity. I hope that's his goal is just to play golf with his kids, to walk comfortably. I don't worry about him coming back on tour. I hope he does. If he, you know, I never bet against him. Everything that Tiger, you know, has had in front of him, he always seems to somehow climb above it, the obstacles. But this one, the obstacle, you know, is, is a skyscraper. But this is about Tiger... The person, not Tiger, the golfer. And yesterday was one of those reminders. They're people. And we've had that with Tiger a couple of times. And he's had car accidents. He's had car situations. He's been pulled over. Had the Thanksgiving Day crash. And then you had this yesterday. But when you saw the video or you saw the pictures, it looked like that somebody would have died in that car. And I guess, thankfully, he's the only one in the car. Because he was going to an event, whether he was speeding or not, the, you know, the police will sort through all of those things. You know, was he driving impaired? I have no idea. He was on his way to meet Drew Brees and Justin Herbert for a golf video, a golf event. And he had played with David Spade and uh, Dwayne Wade. That was the day before. But just so you know, if I move on to another topic today, I'm not being insensitive. I'm trying to be smart about it and advance this. But he's still here. This is a good day. He's alive. I mean, ask Dale Earnhardt Jr. When you go up to your dad's car. Dale Jr. was in a plane crash and walked away from it. This should be a good day. Tiger's alive. And if he never plays again, we're okay. We are okay. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the
0: Peacock Act.
4: You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun.
5: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
4: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, turns out, nope, I was wrong. Because hmm. then I tried right brand bacon, and honestly, I was speechless. And you know it takes a lot to get me speechless, Polly, but it was mind-blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon, His whole life, like it's his job,
5: and I've never tried bacon like this before. We're talking about number one, thick-cut, flip-your-whole-world-upside-down bacon, man.
4: Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice, and
5: you should really just try it for yourself. Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right Brand Bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right Brand Bacon.
3: For twelve ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Light. Give me the poll question, McLovin, and okay.
2: update the results. Which team would be best served by replacing their current quarterback? The choices were the Vikings, uh Jimmy G and the Niners, Matt Ryan and the Falcons, or Big Ben. Big Ben. Second is Kirk Cousin at 16%. So Ben by a a large margin. All right, let me bring
3: in Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. You can uh, see his show on Peacock every morning, Monday through Friday. Let me start there, Mike. Out of those quarterbacks, which team should be moving on? Well, I think without question, it's the 49ers from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's
6: missed... 23 games over the past three seasons. He's got a $25 million compensation package this year. And I think back to the playoff run in 2019, he freaked out Kyle Shanahan in the game against the Vikings throwing three balls that could have been intercepted by Eric Kendricks. One of them was. That's when they shifted to Bob Greasy mode for the rest of the postseason, at least until the Super Bowl, and had him just hand the ball off to that that great stable of running backs they have, and also receivers who can run the football. But I think they'd be far better off if they upgrade at the quarterback position and would be a Super Bowl contender, if not a Super Bowl favorite, with a better quarterback.
3: Oh, do they have plans on doing that?
6: Well, they're keeping their cards close to the vest. Right now, because of the cap consequences of trading or cutting Jimmy Garoppolo, it would not be a significant blow to their overall structure for other contracts and other players. I think they just need to find a better quarterback before they make a move on Jimmy G. I don't think they trade him because I don't think anybody wants to pay him $25 million for next year. I think they will look for somebody better. And if they find somebody better, they'll go get that person, maybe try to trade him, ultimately potentially just cut him when you can't find someone else to take on that commitment, all because of the inability to stay healthy, Dan.
3: Does it make sense for the Steelers to bring Ben back because it's money based that, Hey, we'll have you come back, but only if you, you know, you, you're you going to play at a reasonable salary here. Or does it make more sense to be moving on to start with whatever, you know, the new era, next generation is with this team?
6: Dan, my understanding that, is that this is not about trying to pay Ben Roethlisberger less than what he's due to make this year? Now that they're at the point where they've decided they want to continue this relationship, you have to take his contract. One year left, forty-one point two five million dollar cap charge for this year. Twenty-two point two five million is counting against the cap no matter what they do. If he retires, if he's cut, if he restructures his contract, that twenty-two point two five is going nowhere. The question is, with the nineteen he's due to make this year, what do you do to? Sh- shrink the cap charge this year, push some of those dollars into future years. It's very easy to do. It should only take an hour. That part of it is easy. And now that they're at the point where that's the next step, Assuming the Steelers are willing to pay him $19 million for this year, it's something that literally could be done in an hour. I don't know why it's taken so long to get to this point. I think some of it was the Steelers asking themselves, are we going to be good enough this year to justify one more year with Big Ben? And I think from his perspective, he has to look at it and say, is the team going to be good enough for me to give it one more run. I I don't think this is quite 2005 Jerome Bettis where just that close away from the Super Bowl, let's try to do it one last time and walk off into the sunset with a trophy. I I really do believe, and I know I may may eat these words later in the year, I think come November and December, both sides are going to regret this one more year. This feels like Brett Favre in 2010. I think both sides would be better off moving on. Has anybody seen Deshaun Watson? <laughs> I don't. I, I, I think there was a photo of him like in Miami or something. He's really handling this in, a, in a, a quiet, private, discreet way. The Texans know where he's coming from. He's yet to go public. I suggested last week that at some point he may have to go public to put pressure on the Texans to do something. He's making it too easy for them to just hang up the phone whenever anyone calls with an offer and just take the position that they believe at some point he's going to change his mind about not wanting to be there. And there was a great item in The Athletic last week about this situation, how it got to this point. And one of the comments about his nature, he's very stoic by design. He was inspired by his mother's cancer fight that she handled everything very, very even keeled. And I think that that's, that's who he is. He doesn't want to have to go public. He doesn't want to have to throw grenades at the Texans in an interview or somewhere else. He wants them to figure out on their own what their best move is. And we'll
3: see if they do. Yeah. You start to wonder if you're Deshaun Watson and you go, okay, I'm going to go to a team that I might deplete their roster or their future roster. Do I want to go to Carolina? And all of a sudden I'm going to, you know, it's, A lateral move. Now I get out from underneath whatever he's bothered by with the Texans but it's not like he's going to go to a place where they're going to go, hey, add water and stir we're ready to challenge for a championship here. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, the Herschel
6: Walker type trade, you end up being the guy who gets traded to the team that doesn't have any first round draft picks for the next three years or second or third or give up this guy and that guy. The greater the package to get to Sean Watson, the harder it is for that team where he lands to compete. And and that's part of the challenge in finding the right team here. The Texans, if they're going to trade him, they're going to want maximum compensation before Deshaun Watson waves his no-trade clause, he's going to want to feel like he's not jumping from one bad situation into another. If you were going to
3: handicap this, give me the teams in order.
6: Well, I I, I, I really think what's going to happen is the Texans aren't going to entertain offers, and the teams that, that would be there right now are going to begin to scatter as they make other plans. See, that's the problem with not realizing your best move is to get – all-interested teams to the table now and play them against each other. Like Detroit
3: did with Stafford.
6: Exactly. Now, now here's the time. Let's go. Let's do this now because if they don't and you decide to do it in August when he doesn't show up and then you realize, oh, he was serious about that. Yeah, he was. Well, how many teams are you going to have in August? September, October, trade deadline. That's what Dwayne Brown did four years ago. He held out. He wanted to be traded. They said, no, 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 no. He finally shows up and then they trade him to the Seahawks and they don't get nearly as much as they would have gotten if they just would have done it back in March or April. Dan, look, I, I, the only way I can make sense of this, because look at all the changes the Texans are making, the, uh, new culture, t- firing this person, this person doesn't fit the culture, doesn't fit the culture. You got a franchise quarterback who says, I don't want to be part of the culture. <laughs> Well, then why don't you trade him? I keep going back to the catchphrase that the late Bob McNair gave the NFL during the anthem controversy, the founder of the Texans, we can't have the inmates running the prison. I feel like that's the attitude that's being... Sent and directed it to Watson as a message to him and all the rest of the players. You guys just work here. We can't have the inmates running to prison. We decide who stays. We decide who gets traded. We decide who gets what they want. You don't make that decision. That's the only way any of this makes sense to me.
3: Yeah, I thought Wentz would be traded, but I didn't think Deshaun Watson would be traded. But if they're not, I I don't know who is making it public that they're not taking offers. It feels like the Texans might be telling the media, Hey, we're not taking offers. So it gets out that, you know, teams can still, Hey, we, haven't heard, the off- we right. haven't heard the offer that right. we want right. yet.
6: Yeah, I mean, your best leverage. think about it. Somebody shows up at your door and wants to buy your house. Your best leverage is I ain't selling. Well, then the offer goes up. I really want this house. Well, I'm not selling offer goes up. I really want this house. I'm not selling. If you can, if you can sell that you get more, the Eagles weren't in a position to sell that because it was obvious the eagles were going to move on from carson wentz with the texans you know it, it, even though it seems dumb that they wouldn't do this thing and get the best offer they can now if they can make people think they really are committed to holding on to deshaun watson maybe what happens is somebody gets a little desperate and when they're at that pivot point where they either have to go get deshaun watson or move on to plan b instead of moving on to plan b they they throw something else onto the pile and the Texans come out of it even better. When Nick Casario addressed the issue during the press conference that introduced their new coach, David Culley, I didn't read Casario as being line in the sand, no way in hell. I, I interpreted some things he said as meaning that that they were going to realize that it's in their best interest to take the best package. Now, that assumes he's he's got the authority to convince anyone there to do it. You never know what Cal McNair as as
3: influenced by Jack Easterby is going to do. Talking to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. You can see the show every morning, Monday through Friday, along with uh, Chris Sims. I also wondered about this with Dak Prescott, that Jerry Jones could have stumbled into a situation that might benefit him, and that is, hey, I tag him one more time at, what, $36, 37000000 million, and he's coming back from an injury. If it doesn't go well, I get out from underneath this. Now, if it does go well, then we sign him to a long-term deal because I don't think you want to do a tag him at fifty million or fifty-two million dollars. So it could either be really, really good for Dallas, or it could be really, really bad. So give me, give me Jerry Jones' strategy through all of this.
6: Well, the strategy has been wait for Dak Prescott to finally realize that he should do a team-friendly deal. That strategy has not been effective. And the more they wait, the more the price goes up. Because think about this scenario, Dan, one more year, 37.68 million. First of all, the cap's going down this year. This is not the year to have 37.68 million in cap dollars tied to one player. But let's say that works and he's healthy and you want to keep him. The problem is when you go to sign him to a long-term deal next year, he's got all the leverage because the only way to keep him from the open market is to use the franchise tag again at a 44% raise, $54.25 million. He's getting to the open market next year if you don't sign him to a long-term contract this year. And, you know, there's been this lingering question, what is Dak Prescott really worth? We don't know what he's really worth. Yeah, because the Cowboys won't let him go to the open market. The, the entire franchise tag, you know, they've tried to spin it as it's some sort of an honor. That's BS. Yeah. This is a device that the teams have to keep players from getting fair market value because they don't get to find out what other teams will pay. Next year, if they don't do a long-term deal now, Dak Prescott gets to find out what other teams would pay.
3: But why don't they just let him go to market? If somebody wants to sign him, you get two first-round picks. I mean, well, and they crossed this bridge last year, Dan.
6: All they had to do was use the non-exclusive franchise tag. It would have been 27 million, 26 million, something like that, instead of 31.4. It was 31.4 because they used the exclusive tag. It's a higher price for most positions, especially it is for quarterback, the way the formula is different, and it seals off the opportunity for someone to sign him and give two first round picks as compensation. They, and, and cause someone said to me last year, Oh, look, next year they won't use the franchise tag. My reaction was, and this was before the broken ankle. Why wouldn't they? They've already used the highest possible level of the tag to keep him around. They, they, they are committed to this guy. The problem is they've always believed that there's going to be this lightning bolt where Dak Prescott says, "You know what? I've I've built leverage and I've built leverage and I've built leverage. I'm just going to go ahead and give it up and do you guys a favor yeah. and sign a contract that doesn't
3: reflect the leverage that I've accumulated. When do we find out about the 17th regular season game?" I think it's tied to the TV contracts. Now, I was you told know, there, that there was a thought morning. that
6: maybe the TV contracts were being finalized so they could move some money around and bump up the salary cap. My understanding is they're trying to get the TV contracts done before they make it official with 17 games. And I saw a report from the Washington Post, 17 and three preseason games, which makes sense. You want to hold that third preseason game so the next move is 18 and two. They've had 20 games forever back when when in the 70s. I remember six preseason games and 14 regular season games. It was ridiculous. But I think 18 and two at some point down the road is where we're headed. They won't go 17 and two they'll go 17 and three and then 18 and
2: two.
3: Oh boy yeah i was told this morning it's all tied to tv dollars you know got to get the contracts done and then everybody knows what they're going to make and uh then we're going to have that 17th game
6: more inventory, more stuff to bet on. I think they need to have more windows. Don't be surprised if there's some sort of a double header package in the next Monday Night Football deal. More standalone games where people can bet on those games, especially as the technology improves to the point where what you see at home on your TV is happening at the exact same moment, so you can pick up the cell phone device and make a bet on whatever the next play is going to be.
3: Uh, when's J.J. Watt make his decision?
6: Well, I think, I think that, that teams won't know what they can offer him until they know what the salary cap's going to be. And I think we're probably a week, week and a half away from figuring out what the cap's going to be. First, the teams have to figure out what they want it to be. Some want it to be lower, some want it to be higher. And then they have to work out the agreement with the union as to what it's going to be. But you know, when he got his freedom two weeks ago, the, the first thing I thought of it, hey, he gets a 33-day head start to the open market. And then I thought about it. It's like, nobody knows what the cap's going to be. You don't know what you can pay him. And the other side of it too is, if you give that five, six, seven million, whatever it is to J.J. Watt, you may find out later that another team unexpectedly cut a guy to get under the cap. And you look at him and say, man, I could have spent that money on this guy instead, because even though Watt, uh, you know, great player, Hall of Famer, three time defensive player of the year, he's 32 and he's had an injury history. There may be other guys out there when you take the name off the back of the jersey, the teams will look at and say, I'd kind of rather have him.
3: Oh, uh, we played the J.J. Watt
5: game yesterday. A quick recap there, Paulie. Uh, I went with the. He would play in Los Angeles for the Chargers or the Rams.
3: Uh, Fritzy went wow. with the Cowboys. McLovin went with Packers. Seaton Steelers. I went with Buffalo.
5: I like Buffalo.
6: I'm
3: with you on Buffalo. All right. Buffalo. All right. well, that's Every
6: it. tweet from JJ Watt two gets oh, paper analyzed to see where the. It's like it's like you know we used to spin the record backwards. I buried Paul. Like where's the clue? Where's the clue on the the J.J. Watt Twitter page as to where he's going to go?
3: Thank you, Mike, as always. We appreciate your time. All right, see you, Dan. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, a website, profootballtalk.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app
0: at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
5: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
4: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope, I was wrong. Hmm. Because then I tried right brand bacon, and honestly, I was speechless. And you know it takes a lot to get me speechless, Paulie, but it was mind-blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon- His whole life, like it's his job, and I've never tried bacon like this before.
5: We're talking about number one, thick cut, flip your whole world upside down bacon, man.
4: Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice, and you should really just try it for yourself.
5: Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon.
3: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 18+ plus in most eligible states age varies by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply pick 6 not available in all states including but not limited to Connecticut and New York for up to date list of states visit dkng.co/pick6states void where prohibited see terms at pick6.draftkings.com/promos Is is Samler there is uh is is uh, Christopher McDonald there are, are we are you guys ready Yes, I am. Oh, hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, hi, Dan. So, so a, a full intro, if you're watching on Peacock, that's uh, Christopher McDonald. He is uh, Shooter McGavin on the right, and that's Adam Sandler. He's Happy Gilmore on the left. Uh, let me start with uh, the important person. Chris, how were you approached for the role of Shooter McGavin?
7: Uh, Dennis Dugan, Dennis Dugan, the director found me in the, in the, uh, we're up in Vancouver. I was working on another movie with Ray Liotta called unforgettable. And I ran into Dennis Dugan in the lobby of the hotel. He goes, McDonald, we have been wanting you for the script. Uh, please take a look at this part. It's awesome. And that's how I, uh, that's how it first came across. And then I, of course, like an idiot, wanted to turn it down because <laughs> I wanted to go see my family. So I thought, you know, I had little toddlers at home, What Dennis did. He went to Robert Simon's, the producer, and he said, "Hey, McDonald will come if you can get him, get his family up." Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that it, Sam? Um, but before I had to do that, I had to sit down with Adam, and I had to sit down to laugh for about twenty-five minutes. So.
2: Oh yeah, man! I remember that, Chris. When we went out to eat, me and you. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I I'll tell, can I just say two things, Chris. I do think uh, the Dennis Dugan, of course, loved you and wanted you, but. I saw Thelma and Louise and everybody was talking about this gorgeous guy and Thelma and Louise. And I went and saw it and I kept going, he is gorgeous. This- <laughs> and, um, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I know, I say Chris, but Brad Pitt. I kept going, I don't see what they see in this guy, but the Chris McDonald guy. On.
3: Yeah. But, but Sandman, what did you want shooter McGavin to be?
2: Wanted him to be strong, an athlete a guy that's very confident and uh, would uh, not like uh, old Happy Gilmore very much and uh, played by the rules and kind of grew up with golf. And then I remember, Chris, when we went to uh, lunch, first of all, Chris didn't like the fact that Happy Gilmore was a little bit of a violent guy because in real life, Chris could knock me out, right? So (laughs) he was like, I'm going to let this guy intimidate me. He got very – he didn't love the fact that old – Adam Sandler was uh, uh, tough in the movie. But um but I remember uh, also talking handicaps in the beginning, right? Like you you were you were playing a lot of golf then. I was,
7: yes. I just happened to win a tournament down with Detlef Shrimp down in in uh, Seattle. So I thought, God, I hope that movie's still around and uh, sure enough, I called Dennis up and then we got together.
3: When did you know it was something unique, Chris?
7: Well, you never know. I don't think uh, it was just fun. It was a fun set. It was really fun material. It was uh, great cameos by wonderful actors. I mean, come on, Joe Flaherty. Jackass. Yeah, I mean, people like that just make me really laugh. And so I, I knew it was going to be funny, but I had no idea it was going to be what it is today. And that's, uh, I got, that is the, the beautiful thing right now because it's generational. It's multi-generational. People are watching it with their grandchildren, so it's uh, it's got legs, as they say.
3: Sandman, uh, tell me if this is true. Uh, did Kevin Costner shoot uh, turn down the role of Shooter McGavin?
2: No, 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 no. I never heard of that one. No, I think the only guy we offered it to was was uh, Chris.
3: That's the right. That's the right answer. Of course.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, no, I, really, I, I never heard of that one.
3: Okay, and Bob Barker wasn't your first choice for you to okay. get into a fight with.
2: Tim Hurley, he wrote it for Ed McMahon, and Ed <laughs> And I think Ed McMahon said no, and then and then I think. Uh,
3: Do you know if it ever got to Ed McMahon, Sandman?
2: I I really I doubt that, but uh, so I think back then we we w- would write something and expect the person to read it and go, really, we get to hang out with these guys? <laughs> and my would be like, what is that? I'm not doing that. I got a life to live, you know, but. Uh, I, I, I doubt he got. it. We, I think we heard something like uh, "it's too vulgar" or something for Ed, or something like that. But it was a little, little. I think the script was a little rougher. Uh, we cursed a little bit more, um, and then uh, when when Ed said no, we I think we dialed it down a little bit for Bob Barker and said, uh, "He's a daytime guy, man. Let's let's go." But Bob Barker was just—he was so cool, man. So and fun. he
3: wanted to do all of his own stunts
2: yes 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 he was fighting with chuck norris i think they were next (laughs) and chuck was taking some stuff so uh he uh, bob was came ready to go it was like really early in the morning when i when we were on the set in in vancouver we were up in uh, i think big bear and not big bear i forget i forget the name of it bear something something bear and uh it was a beautiful golf course and it was really cold, but Bob, like at 630 in the morning, was stretching out and getting ready. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Chris, your favorite day on the set shooting involved what?
7: Oh, I got a few of them, but I got to say I'm a big fan of the uh, of the bar scene, the 19th hole, if you will. When uh, I'm sitting there. But I love that, too, buddy. I, I love that. I love that scene. It's just so funny. It's just stand in my way, you'll pay. Listen to what I say. <laughs> the way that ended was uh, people love, love, love that scene. It was so much fun to play because it was like finally a mano a mano. I got this guy who's got this sick shot, and I just try to get him. You know, you should go in on those uh, one of those uh, you know long drive contest. You should probably do very well. Just get the hell out of my life. So that kind of thing. That was a really funny scene, and uh, uh, enjoyed doing it. And Of course, uh, in in uh, in Happy's Happy Place. You know julie bowen a couple of kegs a couple of pitchers of beer and you know and then that that was so awesome and then of course grandma sucking on her tongue <laughs> that was out there before
3: <laughs> sandman did you cut out 30 minutes of the film so you could get that pg-13 rating
2: i, I don't know uh i think the only thing we had a hard time with it we probably cut out stuff that didn't didn't work that the okay. audience- but I do remember in the beginning, you know, when Happy Gilmore curses a lot and we keep beeping beeping him and he's screaming at, a, at a, missing a putt or something. Uh, <laughs> I remember they would say, you have to make the beep longer. We're hearing too much of the curse. So we, we would have to go back a lot and make sure that you he, he only heard just a slight F or a slight C for somewhere or that kind of stuff. And, and uh, that was the only thing we had to fight about.
3: And who came up with the, your approach to your golf shot?
2: Uh, that was me because I, I, I've told this before, but what the story was we were in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I, my father was a great golfer. He was very, very, just an ex- excellent golfer, golfed all the time. He retired at 54 and just became a r- real uh, heavy duty gol- golfer. And he'd go to the range, and I would go with him. And I brought my friend Kyle McDonough, who played pro hockey. Um, and Kyle, at the time we were in high school, was never really golf but was driving the ball so far my father kept going man these hockey kids what a swing and he my father loved kyle so much it was like kyle was the only guy in my life that i'd be like dad remember i'm your kid man what, what, why <laughs>
3: <laughs> he loved <laughs> well,
2: kyle he loved kyle everybody loved kyle but but uh my father was. he was just a sweetheart of a guy a <clears throat> great athlete and a great kid and then um so I remember this a few years later we were talking about happy Gilmore. And I oh, don't know, we were talking about our next movie. And I said, my friend was a hockey player who could uh, maybe be funny to make a movie about that a hockey mentality, but gets invited on the golf tour. And then, uh, I wanted to do kind of a slap shot type of swing. Uh,
3: Chris, um, you play the villain. Well, did you want I, to play the villain?
7: Did I want to play the villain? Yeah. Uh, i have had a lot of success in in plays before that i played iago and and uh, you know othello and i just love that that that, that rich had a play with mark medoff called when you coming back red rider where i was the you could hear a pin drop that's how much how that's how mean and, and and threatening this guy was so i i learned to enjoy it and uh i just think villains are a lot of fun because you know we all have that in us but uh It's just delicious to be able to, like, let it, you know, go out carte blanche like that. And uh, so I didn't mind that at all. I just think it's the comedic part that's the hard part. Because you're bouncing off a guy who's really, really funny, but also very angry kind of thing. So you're just kind of like, oh, you want to play like that? Let's do this. And so it's like one upsmanship. (laughs) And that's what thing works really well in this movie.
3: Uh, Uh, Happy Gilmore 2, Sandman, has that been discussed?
2: It has not been discussed, but it certainly has been discussed on the Internet. And uh, and uh, that that uh, believe me that senior tour idea I would not it would be so amazing to go around with. Are and you
3: both things. in? Sandman, can I green light this?
2: Yes, yes, you can green light this. I don't know. If we, right?
3: <laughs> this just ended the Dan Patrick Show. Happy Gilmore Two has been green lighted or lit or something like that. Chris, are you in?
7: I am double in. Yes, I would love to do it. Everybody's been screaming for it, like Adam said on the internet, and um, you know, I just, don't, I, I, I just got to say, it would be a complete blast. The senior tour with us too. Oh my god! What, what
3: do it. What do people say to you on the street, Chris, about this well, movie?
7: They say they love it. They, I mean, it depends on where I am. If I'm in a ball game or you know any kind of athletic event, it's shooting. <laughs> they will. They won't let me go anywhere. Was, the worst case scenario was I, I was in a, in a restroom trying to relieve myself uh, at, a, at a ball game up in Buffalo, and got one guy recognized me. My hat was down. I was good. I got through the line, got to the urinal, and he was like, "Dude, you shoot sure up and it was crazy. I just thought, it, get me out of here now. But, uh, but that happens in airports now, too. But if you walk in New York City, it's all kinds of different things they say. But they wait for you to walk by, and then they go, shooter! And I just kind of go, yeah, I
3: I don't know if you want to hear, if you don't know the context of somebody next to you in the urinal, and he goes, oh, shooter! And he has no idea what you're talking about as he stares over into your urinal. <laughs> just saying, Chris, I, that m- might be a little, weird. a little awkward there.
7: Awkward. That's the key word there, Dan. Oh my God.
3: Uh, Sandman, are you starting to play golf again? Cause people want to know, can you play golf? And I said, well, you can play. I don't know if you're any good, but you're, uh, are you trying
2: now? So about, I, I and Chris, I want to go out with you, man. We were talking about this. So I was, yeah. I was like Thanksgiving. We, we, I, I didn't golf for like 15 years since my ki- kids were born. I stopped doing it, and then I started up like around Thanksgiving, and I've been playing every day since, just trying to sneak it in. And um, sounds getting, like somebody's getting ready for Happy Gilmore too. I do the I I, I do the normal swing when I'm playing, but um, I still I can't like yesterday I played nine. I was like, oh, I'm about to score pretty well. And then I blew up and shot an eight on one hole. I never, I can't, I can't get the score. I can't, I can't have a score grade. How about you, Chris? You've been playing? Uh, short game
7: is is good for me. I don't, I don't drive it like you do, of course, but just to, just to, uh, do you know how many, this is what's great about this movie and then all the many years for me to be get the entree into the pro, the PGA guys. I, I meet Rory McElroy. I meet I meet all these great players, JT, DJ, all these guys, and they all try that shot. They all <laughs> do it. It's they, they think it's the funniest thing in the world. And it's also a legal, not illegal, but a legal shot. Anything you do behind the ball, apparently is legal and just, so these guys are crushing and I'm going, God, they're good athletes. But well, you know, yeah. that's what it takes. It takes a good athlete to hit that shot. But do I play a lot of golf? It's like with you. I have children. I have responsibilities. I don't get out enough. I live up in an area where my golf club is really cold right now. I can't go out there. It's like, in, you know, 30 degrees. So, uh, but I go and play a lot of charity events. I get invited to a lot of events and if it's raising money for cancer or or whatever it is, I'm happy to do it. And, uh, we have a lot of fun. It's a scramble. It's a different kind of a thing, but that's how I get out and I love it.
3: 25 years ago, man. Pretty crazy. Still holds up.
2: I loved it. And I loved getting to know Chris and, and, and I, and, and I, Chris, just so you know, when you said yes to the movie, it made us so happy and, and you were known as a great actor and we kept thinking because you know it as a great actor, it's gonna just make people say, "Okay, we we can hang with great actors, man." It was a big deal. For me. He said,
3: <laughs> well, and and Chris That's was great. in uh, Quiz Show and with with Ray Fiennes. So, who's a better actor, Chris, Adam Sandler or Ray Fiennes?
7: <laughs> Put me on that spot, why don't you? You put you put Adam Sandler in a comedy, he wins. You put Adam you put Adam Sandler in a drama, he wins. Because how great was Punch Drunk Love? How great was, how great was the Uncut Gems? I mean, I don't know. Ray Fiennes is great. Don't get me wrong, but he's very 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 English.
3: He couldn't have played so, Happy Gilmore, Chris.
7: Not yeah. a chance. Not a chance. Sandman,
3: that's got to feel good. I mean, you're not going to win an Academy Award, probably, but that's got to feel pretty good.
2: That felt good. I like what, whatever uh, <laughs> fellow uh, from Shootem McGavin. I feel good.
7: Hey, he won a Spirit Award for that. Uh, for oh, that oh, which is awesome. Where I mean, is
3: your Spirit Award? Where do I keep it? Yeah, <laughs> that's,
2: uh, that's it just uh, it's it's next it's next to it's next to a punt pass and kick. <laughs> over <laughs> hey, guys, uh,
3: thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, Chris, you're a good sport. Thanks for joining us. And hopefully we have Happy Gilmore 2, the senior tour with uh, you guys. Uh, that would be great. But, but thanks again. We appreciate you guys joining us.
2: Thank and you, Dan. Can I say one thing before we go, Daddy. Sorry. All, everybody who uh, invited me and Chris out in like, the PGA stuff and, and all those uh, and all the players who were nice to us and tweeting nice stuff, the only reason I can't jump right into playing those tournaments is I have this stupid schedule. I can't make it those times. But sometime, me and Chris, I would love for us to go and and play with those guys and and uh, raise money for something. That would be the greatest.
3: Thank you, guys.
7: Great idea. And prayers out to Tigers, Tiger Woods right now. It's got to be tragic. I know. I didn't. Uh, we didn't want to bring that up, but uh, let's hope it doesn't. It's not a career-ending thing, and uh, he's uh, he's up on his feet pretty soon.
3: Well, he's alive. That's why I said people should celebrate the fact that he's alive. Uh, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us. The uh, the great actor, Christopher McDonald, and, of course, the uh, great actor, Adam Sandler. Uh, thank you, guys. Love thanks,
2: you. Love the okay, you guys, thank you. Thank you, bud. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific
0: on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum.
0: To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.